Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hit and Hustle from irishsportsdaily.com. I am your host, Greg Flamong, and with me, as always, is Jamie Uyama, Jamie University, Jamie Nostradamus, calling the 40 time on uh, Isaiah Foskey right on the nose. He's he's a brilliant man, genius. After the show, we're going to be doing lottery numbers, and we're going to be doing all that fun stuff. So you're going to want to tune in for that. And we have a special guest today, Irish Sports Daily's Drew Mentalk, Andrew Mentalk is is here he was uh he was at in in indianapolis last week for the nfl combine he was talking to the Notre Dame players who were participating he was asking them questions he was getting the vibe he was eating the good food at the good restaurants uh we'll find out if he had that 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 cocktail um shrimp cocktail that everyone raves about we'll find out about that and then we'll have some uh lively um discussion around the combine itself and how notre dame players have performed and and some of them have seen their stocks drop and that sort of thing. And uh, we'll talk about why that is and some reasons for that. So uh, thank you, everyone, for being here. S. Gomez is showing the uh, the little uh, strong arm emoji. Thank you for being here. Rajon says, good morning, all. Uh, Joe Bro says, we're right here. Joseph, uh, what is this? Joseph Steining? Never seen you in the show before. Thank you for being here, Joseph. Uh, he says, hey there. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. If this is your first time catching the show, and if you like what you hear, hit the like button, hit subscribe button, hit the notification bell. Nathan Erbach is here. We are in here, and also in the uh, in the description of this show, I've put our our podcast um, our podcast uh, links in there for Apple and Spotify. Be sure to check that out. I, I looked over the weekend, uh, Jamie, and there's some uh, there, we've got some reviews, 35 reviews, all five star reviews. And uh, we've got some our, our ratings. I'm sorry, uh, five star ratings. We got some good reviews too. So on another show, we'll go over those. But right now, we are going to talk NFL Combine with our guy Drew. Drew, tell us about the vibe. Tell us about how it was in Indianapolis. Um, what were your first impressions of just being on the scene there? Um, yeah, thanks first of all for having me, guys. I'm excited to to be a part of Hit and Hustle. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the the first thing you get there, um, you know, it's everything, you know, from a media perspective kind of takes place in the, the Indiana Convention Center, like right across from Lucas Oil. So you're kind of just walking halls and you, you see team personnel and, and players walking around or the players are kind of being ushered in and out. So um, that's kind of interesting. And then you get in the actual move, room where the, the interviews take place and they have all the... Um, you know, a lot of like the NFL network shows and ESPN kind of broadcasting with the players in the background. So you're kind of walking around that kind of trying to figure out which podium the players come into. But uh, yeah, it's definitely interesting, definitely cool to kind of see all these faces that you're, uh, you know, used to watching on Sundays. I walked, I'm a Lions fan. I walked by right by Dan Campbell. So that was cool to see just how massive of a human being yeah. uh, that guy is. So were you able to have a, I guess conversations about some of these Notre Dame guys that you just kind of like, Hey, what do you think about X player? What do you think about, uh, you know, Isaiah Foskey that were people surprised by his workout. We'll get into him specifically in a second, but just anything, uh, any nuggets like that. Um, a little bit. I mean, you're kind of separated, you know, for the most part, there's like a big media ballroom at the other end of the convention center you're in, in a large portion of the time, but you know, a little bit, I don't think people were surprised he tested so well. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, um, he definitely helped himself and, and probably tested a little better than maybe what people are expecting. Like I was mm-hmm. thinking like mid four sixes kind of going yeah. into it. I didn't, didn't quite have uh, Jamie's uh, 
perception on that I one. Do it all but, along. Yeah. Do it yeah. All along. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I think the biggest thing with him, and not that he didn't help himself, but that um, you know, kind of some of the things I've talked about in the article too, where he doesn't really want to play with his hand in the ground, even you know, he's kind of, though he's like a little bigger than a lot of the other edge rushers and um you know, maybe some of his issues with flexibility and stuff. I, I think there's still questions there that he wasn't going to be able to necessarily address um, yeah. by running a good 40 or doing a three-cone drill or anything like that. Yeah. So you just referenced an article about him. I I, I really recommend that everyone watching goes to uh, – or watching and listening goes to irisportsdaily.com and checks out your profiles of everyone um, at the Combine. We cannot do them justice here because it's just – there was so much in, in involved in each article and Drew just did a great job with the coverage all week. So I, I suggest going over and reading those. Um, it's really good stuff for everyone um, to kind of check out. And uh, speaking of not being surprised about how someone worked out, let's talk about Jamie. Jamie, you called it, said four, five, eight on the show. And the man ran four, five, eight on the dot. Um, what did you see from him? He, you're, you know, you're a D line guy. You're the, uh, you're the, the consigliere of, of the D line. T- tell us about what you saw from Isaiah Foskey just on the day. Um, obviously, the 40 time was really good. Like, wh- what else did you see there? W- what were you impressed by? Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big D-line workout guy in terms of, like, what they're doing with through the bags and stuff like that. Like, I hate all that stuff in terms of, like, what you're watching. I think you can learn – I think you can learn a lot from, like, the DBs and some yeah. of the, just, like, the movement and, like, just guys opening up. And, and I, I think um, – so like say Kyle Hamilton's workout last year, like you can mm-hmm. just see, even though he didn't run the fla- blazing 40, you just saw like, you know, how he just transitioned um, mm-hmm. in some of those drills. Like you're like, Oh yeah, this guy's like, he's a, he's a smooth athlete, right? He's a smooth athlete. So, I mean, I'm not someone who overreacts to the the things with Foskey, but it's interesting as you know, you're kind of going into it. And I think one of the, one of the things with Foskey is that he's, um i yeah like i wasn't surprised he was going to test well because he had said he was very confident i'm gonna run the you know jump the and i think i was surprised that like so many of the ends tested well like it was a lot there were a lot of like freak show guys who who had yeah. like crazy testing numbers um and obviously like nolan smith not yeah. shocking at all because he was like a guy who like broke spark records and stuff when he was in high school right, right. so that wasn't like shocking or anything like that um, I, I just think like, um, I was a little bit surprised by Isaiah Foskey's 10 yard split when it wasn't, it wasn't great. That was like mm-hmm. the one thing. And that is like something that like for some teams, like they, they'll take them off the board. Like they'll yeah. be like, Oh, he, he was like, cause he was like 90 something percentile and like almost all of his things, except for the 10 yard split was like 69th percent, which yeah. is horrible, but it's not great right like yeah nolan smith had like one of the best 10 yard splits like he had like db like great db level 10 yard splits right so um i think that is something that we is going to hurt him is going to hurt him in the draft so it's weird like he had like this people will be like man he put up these numbers he ran a four five eight and all that but i actually think that that 10 yard split might actually hurt him and i, I if i was him i would probably even though you don't want to like, who cares? You go stand on your four, five, eight, 40. I'd almost like want to run that again, just to get the 10 yard split in, in the pro day. So I, I wonder if he's, he's going to do it. And I, I do think that is something that matters, right? That is something yeah. that for like D line, like three cone and, 
and um, 10 yard split are like generally like things that are like really good times correlate there into anything. So um, I think one of the things with, uh, with Foskey though, is that when you're kind of look at it, his things is he's such like, he's, he, he's one of those guys too. And I think drew you, you, you'd probably agree with this too. Physically, he looks like he, I mean, he's one of these guys at Notre Dame. He fits in with all of those other guys there at the combine in terms of he's long, he's big. Like he looks like an NFL guy. He's always kind of had that look at Notre Dame. Like where not every guy has, has looked like that, like, like him, right. Where you're 265 pounds and can move and run like, like he does. His thing is always, he is never, um, it's weird. I like, I think, he, I think the reason he's probably going to be like a second round, maybe even a third rounder is he's kind of, he never really fully developed. Um, He's, he's always just been like long arm. That's yeah. been his move. Mm-hmm. He's been a long arm speed to power guy. And I think ironically at the beginning of this year, he tried to be kind of more than that. And then it was like, I think they told him like, no, it's like stuck. stick to what's working because, because honestly, and obviously he wants to advance his game, but yeah. that was one of the reasons I think he struggled at the beginning of the year because he was like, he and honestly too, it's not that you when you do that, but it's just like if you haven't developed those things over the course, you can't all of a sudden you just try them and it's like it's not working, right? So he never really had counters, and that's also why he was he could win, and he's obviously a great finisher, like. I mean, he's got the most sacks yeah. um, in, in Notre Dame uh, history since they started uh, recording it. But he's never been a high pressure guy. Like he's like pretty not average, but like not as high as, as uh, like Khalid Kareem was a better pressure guy than him. Which yeah, I or, think Julian, or Julian Aquara. Julian Aquara, Aquara in 2018. Sure. Like, yeah, didn't have that many sacks, but way more pressures. Way more pressure, right? And so – he's kind of like more of like fit with Ogundeji and, and Hayes in terms of like their pressure numbers and, but he just finished better. Right. So I think he's someone he's actually has a chance to get a lot better, but also um, because I I think, you know, he might just be a guy that once he kind of like hones in on it, he could maybe develop um, uh, into like something more in terms of technically, what he is um but yeah i mean it's weird like he came back to school and it's like i don't think he hurt himself by coming back to school but he didn't really take his game to anywhere he's kind of like was at the the same point where he was very very good just not like to that level where you're like oh he's a no doubt because there's so many good defense vans in this class yeah yeah go good um no i was gonna move on to something else so go, go ahead Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, going back to the, I mean, I think um, his 40 time for as good as it was, I think he was like number nine over or 10 in overall, you know, for, for edge rushers in this draft. And it, he I was think tie, it he was tied for sixth. Is tied 40, for six. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of guys who are, who are much faster. And I do think his size like gets a little bit overlooked, like most of the guys ahead of him either weighed, you know, 20, 30 pounds less than him or, we're only like six one, six two. So I, I do think he he has that profile, like you said, Jamie. He really kind of even stood out compared to some other guys he was standing next to on the podium. But um, 
yeah, I, I do think he, as you you know, just mentioned, he has some of those those issues in his game that are kind of holding him back. And he talked a lot about his he goes bull rush to long arm and stuff, and like kind of that's how he you know attacks each each offensive tackle he's going against. Like yeah. he went over that, and it was it wasn't holding back on that. That's right. his, his game plan. Yeah, um, and, I, and I think just like from a defensive line perspective, and like that is something that. I mean, that's how you become good. You you develop your one or two things that you are really, really good at. Then the problem is you have to develop counters off of that. And he never really got that. And I and kind of going back to just one other thing before I move on, Greg, but uh, going back to what uh, Drew was saying about how he mentioned about how he views himself as a stand-up guy, I think that's a like it's a mistake to kind of put him um, – to kind of pigeonhole himself there. Yeah. Because – I think what Mayor Michael Mayer said, and maybe this is a good transition to Michael Mayer, but what Mayer said, I can I can be a fullback, I can line up in line, I can line up in the slot, I can do all that is what makes Michael Mayer so good, is he can be a chess piece in your offense, yeah. right? So he's essentially can do even though he wasn't Tommy Tremble as a blocker in terms of like a battering ram type dude, he can do some of those things, maybe not at the exact same level, but still do some of that. And he can do all the receiver things too. And that's what makes him so valuable is that he is um, just like very good at everything and, and yeah. is willing, can fit into any offense and into any game plan week to week. And if Foskey's like, I'm only like a stand, I always thought I'm like, I always just got mad at Isaiah Foskey when I watch him just personally. Cause I'm like, put your hand on the ground. Maybe that'll help your get off. Like, cause I always thought he never had the yeah. quite the get off that he needed. And probably, he probably had a better 10 yard split if he was working out of a three point <laughs> stance all the time too. I know. I mean, listen to me. That's maybe whatever ran better than four or five. Eight. Who knows? Yeah. I, um, I wanted to t- say Joe bro is in the chat and he had a good question about the combine overall. And we're going to get to that later. So I just wanted to let him know that we're going to get to that question. Cause we have a kind of a big picture question about the combine coming up. Um, as far as like, so the Foskey, like to the 10 yard split thing. And, and just to like, you guys were just talking about how he looked different than some guys, but he didn't completely, um, like he was, he was tied for six in the 40, right? Like a four, five, eight from a defensive end, a stand up like an, uh, an edge rusher, like in another year, but that might've been like, he might've been like the, the freak of the combine. Right. Yeah. And then this year he's like not even top five. And during the during the broadcast, um, Drew, I don't know if you saw it because you were actually in the stadium, but they compared him favorably to to uh, Jadavian Clowney. I did <laughs> see that. Time, yeah, yeah. So at the time, that was... It was obviously, and it's like, but it's just testing wise, right? Like yeah. different players and all Caleb. those other things. It was just a test. Like Claypool was with uh, um, uh, Calvin Megatron. Johnson, yeah, just like okay. Yeah, I know they're both huge. They run yeah, like four yeah, or four, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But like Megatron, a little bit better. Uh, Brennan says Brennan says he's faster than for some first round safeties. I know what you're trying to do there. Don't please don't please don't. I don't want to get all upset, Brennan. I don't. Um, but uh, so the to, the other part too about the ten yard split is I think there's a chance that it's it's a little bit off too because it doesn't really make sense. Like because they were going over like the the, the how the numbers compared to Clowney, and it's like Clowney had a much better ten yard split than Foskey, yes. but then at twenty yards, uh, 
Foskey's running faster than Clowney. And it's like, you can't really make up that much distance in 10 yards in a 40, right? So, like, I, I think there's a chance that the 40 time or the 10-yard split might be a little bit off. That's just my opinion. Um, but I do agree, like, and, and, and Brennan brings up a point in the chat, too. Like, is the 10-yard, does it explain, like, why he never truly dominated the position? Like, he didn't get the pressures that um, that other guys did, like the Aquaras did or the Khalid Kareems, because he didn't have that get-off. And I, and I think that's a good point too, Jamie, about like never getting in the three point. Cause you never did feel like he would just fly off the edge and get that bend around and come back around the other side. Like it was, like you said, like it was always an arm. He always came off and get the, the big arm and then he would push the tackle back and get the sack that way. Um, and he did, you know, he was very like, yeah, I'm, I'm a stand up guy. I thought he looked good in the field for whatever that's worth. Like, he's yeah. doing the side to side stuff. No, he's and it, a good it, athlete. Like, yeah, yeah. And it clearly mm-hmm. showed, like, why they, you know, people, Notre Dame fans, like, always get upset. Like, why are you dropping the coverage? Like, he's obviously has an aptitude for it. Um, and he was, and, and not just him, he was very confident in the, uh, in, in the interview, Drew, that I, you know, I got the quotes from you guys and, and uh, all those other things, and 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 not just him, but I felt like everyone at this combine was like, yeah, like I'm the goods. I can, like you know, Will Levis is throwing out like, yeah, I have a cannon. Of course, I'm gonna throw. Yeah, you know, Isaiah Foskey's like, They're yeah, all I'm, coached I'm up now too. But That's it's it's thing. it's just interesting how like how it's gone in that direction. I don't remember that being the case, Drew. Like, did you notice this year, Drew, that it was so much more? The players were like, yeah, like talking themselves up and talking about how good they are and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think I think that's probably fair. The only other time I went was 2020, just like before the pandemic. And, and I'm trying to uh-huh. think back to that. But I don't remember guys like Clay Kareem or Julian Aquara kind of exuding themselves and, and putting themselves out there in quite yeah. that way. Now, both of them had kind of injuries that they're dealing with. So maybe that impacted a little bit of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think all four of the Notre Dame guys, I mean, I mean, Nolan Smith was like the talk of the, the combine for a little yeah. bit. Like he was just... Um, there were definitely some very big personalities um, in addition to the the quarterbacks, which is who everybody you know cares about. So it does seem that people were kind of ready to put on a show, um, yeah. even if you know starting from the the media interviews. Yeah. Um, all right. Now we can make our transition over to Michael Mayer, um, the uh, projected in the first round. I saw Dane Brugler came out with his uh, post combine uh, mock draft, and he had him twenty one to the Chargers. Um, which would be really fun for me personally, um, being in LA. But um, you know, Drew, you you started out your the headline of your article, or I think not, maybe not the headline, but the uh, the the lead, the lead on uh, on like on Twitter. Was you talking about how you know the four seven forty four four point seven zero was the uh, the official time? How that might not have quieted the the doubters as far as his athleticism and that sort of thing. Did you get the sense that there there that that was a thing? on you know at the combine like i don't know about michael mayer like he doesn't have that athleticism like is that a real thing that you heard um you know on site yeah definitely and it's kind of a weird thing too because i think that was the first like i think he hit what his expectation was coming into the draft and i think that hurt him in a weird way like you think people saw him as a top you know, 15, 20 pick going into the combine and then him confirming his speed especially when he weighed you know 15, 16 pounds less than his listed weight at Notre Dame. Um, I do think there's real concerns. And you talk about even some of the other testing he did. 
Um, right. He was kind of at the back half of the pack too. And um, so I do think the real concerns, it also doesn't help that I think this is an especially like deep and athletic tight end group. So I think yes. by comparison, he doesn't look as well as good. Um, but yeah. It, and, and I also think too, just the, people want the next Travis Kelsey. They're not, you know, it's for a few years removed from, from Gronk winning a Super Bowl now. And, and I think that that matters. He doesn't fit the Kelsey prototype as well as he does the, the Gronk prototype. And, and I think he's definitely, his stock has definitely fallen for, for all those reasons. Yeah. What's your take, Jamie? I, I mean, the buzz is falling. But I think, you know, this is something that Bucky Brooks, uh, who's, a, who's a former scout and he, he works for the NFL Network now, you know, he's on the Move 6 podcast with, with, with Daniel Jeremiah. And he's, I think he does a tremendous job, too. Former receiver in the NFL. Yeah, former receiver, a former DB as well. Played both and played yeah. special teams. Uh, I believe he's also a high, high school coach out there in L.A., too. Okay. Um, and anyways, he had, had this tweet, and I, I just wanted to mention it. So. You know, game tape greater than combine workout. The best scouts do not change your scouting reports and grades based on workout performance, how a prospect performed in college games, likely how he play as pro. Workouts have value, but the tape trumps everything. Hashtag NFL draft. Okay, so that kind of says it all to me yeah. about Michael yeah. Mayer. In all he really, so I think maybe buzz-wise, media-wise, you could see maybe him slipping a little bit. Um, I'm sure Dalton Kincaid, when he's able to run too, is going to have really great numbers. I, I mean, anyone who's watched, and I, I got a chance to watch a lot of Dalton Kincaid watching Andy Ludwig film, he is awesome. Yeah. He, he is does very much in that Travis Kelsey mode that Drew mentioned. So people are going to fall in love with him for sure. He's going to go. He's going to go high. Pro, I, in my opinion, probably higher than Mayor, just because they're looking for that specific type. Yeah, but. Every tight end coach is going to be like, give me Michael Mayer. Like every single tight end coach is every scout who values tape. And then that's the best scouts do value tape. It's going to be like, yeah, give me uh, Michael Mayer, the guy who, you know, can pancake a safe, go down the field, pancake a safety or run a sale route and just embarrass a guy here. A guy who goes against a safety in, in the slot here and then, you know, runs a crisp route and gets gets separation or can win contestant and do all these things. Basically do what whatever you ask of him yeah. and do it at a high level. They're gonna want that guy. They're gonna they're gonna want him. And I mean Will Mallory or whatever, for example, is a guy who ran like I think low four fives, right? Like he ran mm -hmm. low four fives at Miami. I mean, he's just a big receiver. He's not a good tight end. I mean, I watched a lot of Will Mallory. He's right. not that he's not that good of a player. He's not close to Michael Mayer. Even Darnell Washington, for as freakish talented he is, he made that one ridiculous one-handed catch at the thing. He blocked the sled. It looked like he was, you know, carrying like a little small child. He is so huge, right? He is so huge. He's massive. He's a freak athlete, all these kind of things. Well, I wanted to ask you actually about the the sled blocking for because I mean, I'm not the the expert on you know breaking down form and stuff like you guys are, but it's it didn't seem like Washington. I don't know. Do you want to get that high when you're you're working on this stuff? Like it seemed like Mare was more <laughs> like what you're looking for, and he just did exactly what yeah. you need to do to execute a good block. Where Washington's like, I'm gonna, this is gonna look cool, and and he got a lot of buzz on Twitter. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things where it's just one of those things that just shows like he he's one of these guys because he's so big and so strong that. It doesn't have to look perfect. 
and that's kind of what yeah that's more of like the point of that kind of thing um he is a very good block like he is a very good blocker and he's going to be like a good nfl player like for sure because he can block and do these kind of things but he literally he had two more catches in his career than michael mayer had as a freshman as a freshman and i know like people go on different paths or whatever they also had brock bowers they had all these things I mean, Notre Dame had Tommy Trump. Like they had other NFL tight ends on the roster, but Mayor was the best guy. Like, yeah. Um, I I think just when it comes down to it, like, it, who's the best at football? You know, and Michael Mayer, I just think is better at football than a lot of these other guys. I, I just I just think that anyone who gets caught up in like uh, he only ran a four seven or like he there there are certain things that like yeah other guys are better at certain aspects of it but like I, and there's the the other part is to the guy just absolutely is obsessed with football he loves football that kind of stuff matters like he's he's that's being a great football player is like number one also how many times did he play hurt and and yeah. still was the dude on on the field too so I, I man i i just think anyone who doesn't think that michael mayer like they let him drop Maybe he does drop late first round. Maybe he even goes to the second round. I don't care. The guy's going to make Pro Bowls. He's going to be stuck. He, he is he is that good of a football player. And if you throw on the tape and the people that value the tape are going to value him, especially because he literally walked onto uh, campus. And he, got, he did get better every year, but he walked onto campus right away and was like, oh, he's just that much better than, than people. Like he was – prepared right he also wasn't an early enrollee he came in yeah. the summer right like how many tight ends other tight ends do that not many so it's a very short list yeah i mean teams are definitely going to talk themselves out of him and it's going to be great and it's going to and, and we'll get to this later but it's like third year in a row with another name guy it's, it's it's just kind of unbelievable and and so i'm watching the 40s right here's the thing michael mayer runs exactly as fast as he runs in games Right. Yes. So, you know, like four, seven, that's the four, seven, like Will Mallory is a good example. Like I watched him run his 40 and it's like, he is stretching and pulling and he is like, he's got his head down and I'm, and I'm watching him and I'm thinking he, he will not run a route like that. Yeah. Ever. Like, cause you don't run that way. You have to be able to like route running is different. You never just get a 40 yard runway in football like that especially at tight end right like so many of these guys and here's the other part right and i think this is where uh, well i'm gonna go in on the combine a little bit later but this is where i think it helps to watch like some guys run four four and it's like they are they are building speed like they are head down like it, it takes a ton of effort and football is you have to be able to accelerate differently that's why everyone talks about the 10 yard split because you got to be able to get out some of these guys, they run 4-4, and it's like, man, that's smooth acceleration. Like, that translates. A lot of these tight ends, I'm watching them, and it's like, this. none of this is smooth. None of this is easy. Like, they're stretching and pulling and all this other stuff, right? It's just it, it's just that that's not going to work. Like, do you know how to wrong foot a DB on a route? Do you know how to get into someone's blind spot? Like, do you know how to use your body to shield the defender on a route when they're you're double covered in space? Like, do you know how to high point the ball? Do you know how to do all these other things? Like Michael Mayer has been able to do this his entire – like Jamie said, as soon as he stepped on campus, he knows how to do these things. He knows how to – it's like I'm running the simple five-yard out. 
how do I get this much separation on a simple five yard out? Because he runs it in a way where it's like the DB's wrong footed or he's got his hips turned or something and he gets him and it's like, I can, I just need a little bit of separation and I've got you. And then it's like every time on the crossing route as a freshman, it's like everyone knows he's running this crossing route. Why is everyone missing him? Cause he knows how to do that. He knows how to catch the ball and comport his body at the same time and get separation going around the corner. Like he did against Clemson, right? On the, on the one it's like, that's the, 10th game of the year, ninth game of the year, whatever it was. And he's still killing them with that because he knows how to play the game, like Jamie said. And that's because he is a junkie. He is a football guy, right? That's why he says, yeah, put me a fullback. That's fine. I know how to play fullback. I've been wa- I've been watching teams play fullback forever. I know how to play tight end. I know how to play. I know how to play split, right? Put me a linebacker. I know how to play linebacker. Put me a defensive end. I know how to play defensive end. Like that is what you get with Michael Mayer. And teams are going to talk themselves out of him because of this. And they're going to talk themselves into these Darnell Washington types and the Luke Musgraves. Yeah. And it's going to happen. And and someone is going to let a good player fall to them, it, just like that happened last year and just like what happened with the Browns. It, it's, it's crazy. Go ahead, Drew. Oh, and, and I do think even if, you know, he's the, you know, he goes just after like Dalton Kincaid. I, I think the biggest thing with some of this being such a deep class is that, tight end is not necessarily a huge need for most teams. It's not like a premium position. So I think it's a little easier to pass on him if you're picking in the, the yeah, 20s the of the first value round. Yeah, like, oh, definitely has a thing part of it. Yeah, yeah. And, there, and you know you can get a guy like uh, Luke Musgraves or, or Darnell Washington a little later or even some of these other guys like, oh, I can wait on this. So I think that's that's part of it too is that it's you don't have to reach for him even if you think he's the, the best tight end in this class because it's not as important and you can get a good guy later. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to hate on like Kincaid too much. I think he's good. Like I think they're both good players. They're right? just different players. Yeah. They're different mm-hmm. players. Yeah, I think they're good. But like the the Musgrave stuff and the Darnell Washington stuff, like I don't miss me. Like I don't. I please don't. They're just not like, as good. I, yeah, like, they're, they're like they're not as good. And and it's just like you know the combine stuff. It, it's it like it, come on guys. We don't we don't need to uh, we don't need to overthink a lot of this stuff. And then yeah. I don't I don't want to step on what we're going to talk about later. Go ahead, Drew. You look like oh, I think people just loved uh, and this probably is a lot of the media. They love to look at Jimmy Graham or uh, George Kittle who didn't put up right. these huge numbers but ran, you know, Kittle's uh, you know, I think he ran almost like a, a 4.50 at the the combine. Like he was even faster than Kelsey. Um they love to look at these guys who just had that athletic profile and, and kind of assume that's really what's going to matter. Right. Um, even, even though that's not really how it, how it works. Right. And Kelsey, look, he's a good athlete, right? I'm not saying he isn't, but look at him. He, he knows how to run routes. He knows how to uh, improvise during a play like pre-snap. It's like, you know what? I actually, I'm going to run this route and then he can figure out with Mahomes and all those other things. And that's great. Right. But that's that's what makes him good. It's not his athleticism. It's the fact that he's such a good football player, you know. And that's what Michael yeah. Mayer has. And so, you know, look, someone they're going to talk themselves out, and they're going to and they're going to make a mistake, and then that's fine, right? That, that's uh, it's been happening for for hundreds of years. And I say that's obviously not hundreds of years, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's been a long time. All right, next player we're going to get to is uh, who 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 definitely did not who 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 definitely needed to have a good combine because the tape doesn't back it up is Brandon Joseph. And he did not have a great combine. Unfortunately for him, he graded out his RAS score, which is relative athletic score, which basically just kind of, it, it gives a, a zero out of 10 percentile of how close you are to the safeties 
in you know the past safety zero position throughout all the drills. And his RAS was based it was like five point five, which is obviously you know league average. Um, he doesn't have the good size, right? And he doesn't have the the tape really to back it up from the last two years. Um, so, but he, you know, he, he had a lot of nice things to say about Tobias Merriweather, Drew. So, uh, why don't we talk about, uh, what, what Brandon Joseph had to say, first of all, before we get into his combine. Um, yeah, I mean, going back to the, I guess, starting with the Tobias Merriweather comment, you know, somebody asked him, who's the, the best, the wide receiver with the best chance to be like the wide receiver one, um, next year at Notre Dame. And he didn't really hesitate to, to throw out Tobias Merriweather. So I'm sure that had a lot of. Uh, Notre Dame fans pretty happy um, but yeah I mean it definitely um, I think it's interesting when you go to the combine and you, you get these uh, players to talk about their former teammates and kind of who's coming up and, and I think you always got to like kind of take it with a grain of salt but also know that they're seeing these guys every day they're seeing yeah. you know he probably went against them and, and some scout team stuff and they they know the potential too so I think that's um, definitely an encouraging sign that if, if Tobias can pull put it all together this year that that he is you know sky high potential music to jamie's ears right jamie i mean you've, I, you've got a, you've got a hot up. take on that you gotta yeah. hype him up tobias gonna have a huge season everyone's ready for it um all right so so didn't test very well what that what was the did you get the official 40 time jamie on that it was a four six two four six seven I didn't. I didn't see what his official was after. i mean i assume it's in between those two numbers i thought um, it was a four six Four six two, but I four six two. Okay, so his first his first run was four six two. His second run was four six seven. Um, I don't think I didn't see many people round up on these yeah. things, so it's at least four six two probably. Um, which he probably needed better just because of the size, right? Like you look at, I mean, this is like Alohi Gilman type athleticism, and, and although he's not a big guy either, but although he had that production at Notre Dame, you know, multiple season production, yeah, that really pushed him up. Brandon didn't have that. Um, so, I mean, it, it, hard for me to see him get drafted at this point, but what, what are you thinking, Jamie? Oh, I don't think he's got any shot of getting drafted. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think yeah. he had really any shot of getting drafted even before this. I think so. He needed a good combine. So then people could go back and look at the tape and then they would say, Hey, you know what? Uh, he didn't have a good year at Notre Dame. So let's look back at this Northwestern tape and then see there and then see all that. Like that's essentially, I mean, they watch all those years, but like when they go, they'll dive back deeper into it. If the, you give them a reason to, right. That's the main thing. And if you don't give someone a reason to, they like, they're going to be like, I mean, we're going to look at his athletic pro profile. We look at his production last year. That's it. Right. Like they're, they, they, they'll just kind of like cross him off. Right. And maybe he, I'm sure he'll get invited to like um, a camp, not even like, like these mini camps and then see where it goes from there. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy who's like grinding it out in the XFL and maybe yeah. getting a shot later on kind of thing. Um, I just think he uses someone that was kind of known for uh, making plays on the ball really right that's what he was known for before yeah. and that's what he did in frankly in um spring and in camp before um any any of like the stuff that ha happened um you know the, the season and it just didn't happen for him at, at notre dame like he you know he had the pick six and that was pretty much it right like he really just the, he just didn't find the football at all right and he also like 
you know, isn't the best uh, tackler in, in general, right? So um, I just think just he just doesn't have – he's a guy who would have been a perfect – 100% should have stayed in school, but he clearly already had his mind made up. Yeah, oh, he yeah. He was going to go, yeah. um, which we had heard, like, from the start. But even then, he might have come back, and, and I don't know if he was going to start for Notre Dame, right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't think it was a guarantee. So – um, you know, I, I, I hope it, I hope it goes good for him. And I, I hope that, you know, he can kind of like, uh, get another chance there, but I don't know. I, I think he's going to be all, all, all is going to be in, you know, it's going to be awfully tough for him to kind of crack, uh, um, uh, a team's 53. I just don't see it. The problem yeah, is, is like, if you don't have the athleticism, then that, you, you get off special teams too. And yeah. so if you're going to be a later round guy, you, you want to be, um, you want to be a special teams asset. And at Notre Dame, he was the punt returner, right? Well, he's not going to return punts in the NFL. So what, what value do you have on special teams? That's not on tape, right? So like, like uh, Claypool or, and Alohi Gilman, right? They were mm-hmm. both, they were special teams guys. Kyle Hamilton was a special teams guy. Not that he needed it, but that's the point, right? Like you, you're out there doing it. Same thing with uh, Owusu Kormoa, you know, and Brandon Joseph was just the punt returner. And that doesn't, yeah. that's not adding to his value. Were you going to say something, Drew? Oh, yeah. I, was, I say that I think one thing that was kind of interesting, and and who knows if, if his listed weight at Notre Dame was accurate, but he came in at like, I think around 10 pounds more um, mm. for what he weighed in the combine, which I thought was like kind of an interesting thing in terms of, you know, obviously these guys, I think he trained at uh, like Exos or whatever in, in Dallas. Like that was probably maybe a, a concerted effort for him to potentially put on weight, which obviously may have impacted him running slower, which um, I don't know. It seems like an interesting um, strategy going into the combine for him. Maybe yeah, usually he, people lose. Yeah. 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 Maybe he felt like his size I mean, maybe he thought, okay, I'm not going to run fast. I need to get bigger, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe that was the deal. Because, like, you know, look, it, I don't think he went from, like, four, you know, four, six uh, to, you know, and, like, gain weight. And it's like, oh, I would have been a four, low four, five guy. I don't think that would have happened. Yeah. Um, so, but, but I I remiss to talk about it. I, I I should have talked about Michael Mayer in terms of um, he he – he made some comments about uh, Jared Parker and the offense and that sort of thing. And I think that's really interesting for, for a lot of people to hear because of, you know, obviously Jared Parker's OC now, Uh, Drew, what can you tell us about what um, Michael Mayer said, had to say about Jared Parker? Yeah. I mean, he, I think the biggest thing he talked about was just Jared Parker's willingness to, to really like hone in on, on the little details and and the impact that had on him, especially as a a blocker and, and, um, in the story I wrote, I even talked about how the, you know, dramatically improved the the pro football focus grades are, which I, I know, again, take those with a grain of salt too, but it was such a dramatic yeah. um, increase in, in terms of how they perceived him as a blocker and especially over the back half of the season. And, um, you know, with that attention to detail, I think Mayer really sees that being a, a key um, trait that's going to help Parker as an OC. And, and, and obviously Parker has a background, you know, coaching running backs, wide receivers in the past too. So the idea that he can kind of share some of that knowledge and really hone in on those details um, for those other positions, I think um, has the potential to, you know, be something that makes him successful. Yeah. I mean, he was obviously very bullish on him and, you know, that makes sense, right? Like he's a former position coach and that sort of thing. And he's going to talk up his guy. He has no reason to think he won't do a good job. Um, but I thought it was an interesting anecdote about how, you know, he got the job 
And the first thing he did was call Michael Mayer and just be like, Hey, like I'm Jared Parker and we're going to do great things. And obviously if you're Jared Parker and you in, in, inherit a tight end, like Michael Mayer, definitely like I'm going to call you as much as I can and be best buds and all that sort of thing. Cause he's a great player and you get to coach him and that's, that's nice, but it's just good to hear things like that. Right. Like, I think, you can you can kind of tell if if words are measured in terms of someone's body language or the way they talk about it. So he was definitely sounded excited about him, which was good to hear. Um, and then another one was uh, Foskey talking about Jordan Batelho, another person who Jamie Uyama has has uh, predicted to uh, be an All American candidate for Notre Dame in 2023. And I got to tell you, if Jamie Nostradamus is going to be calling out exact 40s, then maybe maybe Jamie's onto something. I mean, Jamie is two for if that. Two. If both him and Tobias Merriweather have monster years, if we like, get, if we get, I'm going to retire. If if we get, I think we should be. I think at that point we should be worried about losing Jamie to the NFL. If that yeah. happens, because it's just, I mean, that that your name will be Jamie Nostradamus if Tobias Botelho and then call the forty time exactly. So what what did he say, Joe, Drew? What tell us about um his comments about uh, Jordan Botelho? Yeah, I mean, he was he was super bullish. I mean, I, I, people at these, you know, the kind of media scrums too are kind of popping in and out too. It's not just uh, like, I, you know, I'm staying um, at Isaiah Foskey's, you know, 15, yeah. 20 minutes to talk the whole time. But people are coming in and they kind of sometimes ask the similar questions. Um, but every time somebody brought up like, who do we need to look out for at Notre Dame, he would just jump right into Jordan Patello and how he was ready for a huge role as soon as he stepped foot on campus. And you kind of saw this like fire and aggressiveness and, you know, pass rush repertoire that like really stood out um, from that moment. And he thinks he's ready for big things next year. And, and I mean, I, you know, I'm sure that tracks a lot with what you guys talk about too, that he's had this potential. It's maybe some of those other things that have been kind of holding him back off the field and whatnot. But if, if he can put it together, I, I don't think there's any doubt from his teammates that he has the potential to, to kind of hit some, that ceiling that, that we all kind of talk about. How many sacks next year, Jamie, but give me the number. I think uh, the over under is, uh, is eight. So that's, and, and, you know, and I would guess over, but I think that's probably where I'd set the over on. I, I mean, he, first of all, he's going to get a ton of opportunities because he's going to play on third down, right? Yeah. He's going to play on third down. He's going to get all of these things. I mean, he, he had two sacks in the bowl game. Um, I And the thing about, okay, the couple things that kind of what Foskey said about him too, he, like, you watch how um, Botello, like, just destroyed the trap a couple times this year. Mm. And you never saw that from Foskey, ever. And I just think some guys just got that extra – like violence to them that Botello has and that Foskey for as big and, and as like, you know, impressive as he is as, as um, like a, a specimen, he doesn't have that same level of violence in, yeah. in his game. And Botello has that. And I think too, he has, there's just some things in the bowl game too. Like there's a couple times too, where you just look at, him because he because he had more chances and was on the field more um when you only get like six snaps a game to to maybe like rush the passer it's a little bit different than if you're going against the same left tackle for like 20 times in a game because you have to vary it up and although like um you know Foskey was always his thing was if he gets a good get off and then he gets that 
uh, long arm in the right position, it's over, right, for him. Like, he's going to win. But with Patello, he doesn't have that. He doesn't have the length. You know, he's not as big. He doesn't have that. So he has to kind of bury stuff up more. And he had this one little, like, hop-skip kind of move that he did that you just don't see from people all the time that it just kind of show what kind of athlete he is um, that, um, you know, you can't pull all the time and he wasn't like doing it every time, but he, you, you do it once, maybe twice in a game and you can catch a guy in the right thing. And one of the times he did catch it, got a pressure on Rattler and got uh forced an incompletion, but he just got some of that to him. And my thing with Batello has always been, the reason he wasn't on the field was because of him off the field and not him, what his talent, um, you know, his talent didn't equal what was happening in terms of his reps and all that. Yeah. It was him, whether it was understanding his role in the defense, whether it was stuff that he was in trouble off the field, people know he almost got sent home or he did get sent home at one time when he was a freshman. Like, you know, he's had some other things that he's had to overcome, but now he's more mature and now he's getting these opportunities. And then frankly, they don't have anybody else. So I just think that it's just, it's his time to kind of have a big thing, a big, um, a big season. And I've always been super high on him. He was like a guy who I thought was like a fab 50 kid. And maybe that is me kind of doubling down on my original thoughts about him. But if he didn't show this at the end of this last season, what, you know, what he had done in terms of like um, the pressure production, like he is a guy, his pressure numbers. I know it's a small sample size. His pressure numbers were awesome phenomenal yeah. right so i don't know if he can keep that up over the whole season but if he does that's like top 10 in the country kind of pressure production so that's what you're kind of hoping for yeah um all right that leads us to Jarrett patterson the uh notre dame offensive lineman who competed on the last day um how, how did he look uh drew and tell us about his uh his interview situation um yeah i mean he he looked you know kind of as expected um mm-hmm. I mean, interview, he really talked about how even though he spent last year at guard, teams are definitely still seeing him as a center. That's um, definitely where he's most likely to, you know, play in in the NFL. Um, I think it helps to have that versatility, especially since I I think he's probably going to be maybe a late day three pick but or day two pick, but probably more likely a a day three guy. So he's somebody you can, you know, add depth um, to a team that only has – you know, seven to eight or nine um, offensive linemen on the team, you can, right. you can fill in some of those spots. So I think that, that was really important for him. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, he, I don't think his year this last year was as productive as it was when he played center. And I think that's ultimately where he's definitely going to uh, end up. In terms of the testing and stuff, I, I mean, I think his 40 was the same as Aaron Banks almost. So if I, and Aaron Banks moves pretty well for the, the 49ers. But I don't know that... Um, I mean, you guys know more than me, but I don't know if you look at the, the testing for offensive yeah. linemen quite as much. Did you know? Did anything stand out to you in the, on that front, Jamie? No, I, I mean, I think the only times that uh, you know, when somebody mentioned earlier that like they should eliminate the forty for offensive linemen, and really they should. Like, it, it's not something that um, it's re- or rarely something that ever matters, right? That. Yeah. Um, it's it's fun for the hey the simulcast for the run rich run yeah yeah, yeah. that's 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 about it 
Um, and occasionally, like, I remember, so, like, I'm, like, a old-school NFL draft junkie that when I remember, like, Walter Jones when he was, hmm. which is crazy because he's, like, long retired, and I think he's already in the Hall of Fame. But um, he was a guy that he ran – this was before they aired the combine. They So he had clips. He ran a 4 6 five, 40, <laughs> right, which is just, like, crazy. And – he was in that same draft class as Orlando Pace. And like no one was talking about him. The NFL draft, the 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 industry wasn't what it was back yeah. then. But if that people would be going insane now yeah. if, if that happened. And he was obviously a Hall of Fame player, just a great player. But I mean, outside of that, I can't tell you too many offensive linemen 40s, I remember, or how many like this testing means this. Um, measurements, right? Health, um, you know, them going and get tested during the thing. I think the 225 reps, you can kind of have some guys, you know, are still pretty good at whatever, but for the most part, you got to kind of hit certain benchmarks there. Um, so, uh, you know, no pun intended with the bench, but just, I I think that that kind of stuff matters more, um, than even like, you know, there's the viral clip of Broderick Jones uh, throwing the <laughs> the one coach, which is oh, like yeah, yeah. funny, but they don't care about that as much as like, um, like some people say, like, rarely do you hear like, that was the best offensive line workout I've ever seen because pads, the film, smarts. And there's also some guys who test horribly. Orlando Brown, like uh, junior or whatever, right? Like horrible testing like horrible like yeah like historically bad like we can't draft this guy testing where he was seen as because of the film he was seen as basically possibly a first round pick and guess what when he goes and plays well yeah now he's been a pro bowler uh just won a super bowl as you know they thought ah he's only a right tackle well you know when ronnie stanley got hurt he stepped in and played left tackle played really well was left tackle for the chiefs like he's pretty, he's pretty good. Like it just, he, the, the tape matters more for the offensive lineman. And I think ultimately with a guy like Patterson, I think toughness, him playing through the injuries this year, yeah. him being willing to play guard um, when, you know, probably his best spot uh, is, is center, all that kind of stuff that helps him. And I mean, he's going to be someone who probably, I don't even know where he's going to go because even if he's considered one of the best offensive interior offensive lineman in the draft could be fourth round. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it does, it, that's just how it works. Sometimes doesn't matter. He's going to play for multiple years in the league and have a pretty good career. Yeah. Yeah. I do um, think in terms of, sorry, real quick, no, uh, no, um, in terms of the testing, like uh, our measurements, you know, he's over six, five, I think he weighed in at like 306 pounds and that's, yeah, that's definitely good size yeah. for a center. They know, he yeah. can, you know, can thrive there too. So I, I think that those things will help him as well. Um, I think, you know, the thing we don't know about is his medicals. I'm sure they were looking at his foot and, and some of the injuries he's had pretty yeah. pretty seriously. So those are the type of things that we don't know about that are probably going to have a big impact on him. And it could get him, like, all of a sudden you're like, it's the sixth round. You're like, Patterson has been taken. And then if that happens, then you, you're pretty much all the medical. The medical, right? mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so do you think – so Nathan Urbach is asking, why isn't, why isn't Patterson more considered a top interior offensive line in the class considering how good he was at Notre Dame? I mean, well, I do feel like the buzz is like it, it, combine, you know, unrelated to the combine. Like it just seemed like 
it was just like, oh, Jarrett Patterson, All American center, All American, All American, All American. And I mean, obviously, going to guard takes the All American center stuff away, but just generally, like, it just didn't seem like there was the same juice on him as it was previous. Well, part of it is center. He's a yeah. center. I'm just, it's tough for centers to really become like, like, I think about like just, just say recent centers um, that go high. I, I think on average, there's a center in the goes in the first round every two years. Right. So yeah, it's not something that happens um, in like, it's like crazy. If like two go in the first round, right. That, that almost never happens. So that's part of it. Um, I think the other part is that um, like one thing with Quentin Nelson, as good as he just was period, like he was one of these guys that like, he's just destroying guys and become like, there is like a faction of O-line Twitter or whatever that yeah, yeah, like yeah, promotes yeah. these these guys like that, that they just, you know, or or someone who's like Dewan Jones is like a very much like he's so huge and just does some things that you're like, he's just gonna create buzz. And kind of like what Drew said about terms of like he hits all these these things. He's you know, he's over six four, he's 306 pounds, that's fine, but he's not like doing anything freaky like he's not doing like even like linderbaum last year tyler linderbaum the, the guy uh from iowa like he moves different than patterson so that's like yeah. something where that gets the attention of people so that, i think that's the kind of thing that's i mean that's the way i, I see it and then it's just like i mean out of all of like so aaron banks won the second round right aaron banks won the mm-hmm. second round hmm. wasn't was an all-american at, at notre dame I mean, there wasn't like crazy Aaron Banks buzz, you know what yeah. I mean? Like sure, sure. there, you know, so it's just, I think it's just the nature of the position. You just don't see that a lot. And it's just not, it's, it's not like, I mean, I guess literally and figuratively, it's not sexy, right? Like with yeah. interior offensive linemen and where, I mean, Darnell Washington freak show, look at the wingspan, look at all this, that kind of stuff. Like it just, um, all, all of that kind of stuff gets more buzz and that that's kind of, that's kind of what the draft process is about really right? yeah. Yeah. for media, from a media perspective. And I do think, I mean, he, I believe he was injured in the spring or last spring Patterson was, and then obviously suffered the, the foot injury in fall camp, which I mean, based on my understanding of what that injury was, it was pretty significant. It was and the fact that he was playing through that says a lot, but it, you know, his development at guard and the time he had to really get there wasn't there for him. I mean, he still had yeah. a, a solid season, but it, he didn't necessarily have the chance to get the reps there to, to, you know, show he's just as good a guard as he yeah. was at center. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nathan's sorry. asking if, Oh, go ahead. I just want to say Bernie, what's going on? Patterson costs the Marshall game. That's what? Okay, I, I was I didn't I didn't want to put it up. It's like uh, Notre Dame did not lose to Marshall because of a false start that made it third and two to third and seven. That's not <laughs> no, no. That is not why. No. And if honestly, go back to the hit and hustle, the post game shows. But that is not why <laughs> they threw yeah. they threw like multiple they threw four picks, including a pick six. That's um, not why they lost to Marshall. And, and just like kind of what um, Drew was saying back on his injury, I mean, he probably shouldn't have been playing in that game. Yeah, like right, he he came he came up because he was like he really wanted to play like he just didn't want it wanted to help the team so um, yeah, yeah like sorry, his injury, sorry Greg for interrupting no that's no, all good it's just like the injury he had he, people should not be playing with it that's all I'm gonna want to put yes. it out there we know what it is but 
it, it he people should not be playing with that injury, and he did. So, and he um, tried to go for the Ohio State, like he was out there. Exactly. Like, exactly. We didn't even know until exactly. game time yeah, that yeah, he yeah, wasn't yeah. going to yeah. play. So he, yeah. yeah. So all right, this is from Joe, bro. Is the combine necessary, and should they just do the pro days? So I'm just going to say this, and I'm going I'm to get Drew because I know you have weeks on this too, or thoughts on this too. I love the combine. I do. I love it. I watched all of it. I'll put it on and I'll keep it on and whatever. I love the combine. I've always loved the combine. It's it's a pretty ridiculous endeavor, to be honest. Like it's like why do why do we do this? They they I was watching like listening to all these like uh, national pods talking about um, like guys who go, like combine previews, right? They already know who's going to test well. They already know that everyone said about Michael Mayer, not the best athlete, not the best athlete. And then he comes out and tests well. It's like, I don't know if we can take him. We were in four, seven. Like, what are we doing? What do you, you're using this event to talk yourself out of good players. People talk themselves out of Kyle Hamilton. People talk themselves out of Gerald Meyer, Wusa Cormoa. What's the point? What is the point? Kevin Austin last year goes to the combine, blows it up, undrafted. Why do we do all this stuff? I don't get it. I, I I think I don't think, and I don't think players should do it either. I don't think players should do it. The kid from uh, uh, USC tore up his knee. Great, doing some drill. Awesome. Like, how is that going to affect his draft stock? Can't imagine it helps. Uh, I, I throw it out to the group. Any anyone want to comment on this? I, well, I, don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's good. I do think, at least in comparison to the pro days, I think we saw in, in like 2021 when, when the pro days is what we use for the testing numbers. Yeah. Um, I don't know that teams necessarily took all of those as seriously. I mean, Nick McLeod went undrafted and he ran a 4 3 7 in right, right. his yeah, pro yeah, day. Yeah. I think that I think having um, everyone's testing on the same turf, you know, it's a, it's a little more official, it's easier to compare it and stuff like for that. Sure. I think, for sure. I think those type of things are, are important, at least in compared to the pro day versus combine. I think. Um, the combine's definitely going to be used a lot better, whereas as people take the the pro day numbers a little less seriously, because everyone runs better at the pro day than they did yeah. for the combine, which I mean I don't think is a coincidence. So well, uh, and now the combine has this crazy fast track too. So like yeah. that's another thing you got to factor in. What do you think, Jamie? Um, I think it's essential for the medical part of it. That's the main thing. That's the right. the main reason why. Um, they have it, even some of the interview stuff. I'm like, I would say like, I don't think that is essential because yeah, it might give you a chance to do it, but it's always like 15 minutes here rather than like bringing somebody in for a visit or doing a zoom with them now or whatever, like that you're going to get a lot longer time. If you really are interested in someone than just saying like, here's 15 minutes here were some of these stupid questions that they're asking them. Like, if you were a cat, what kind of cat would you be? Like, no one wants any of that crap, right? Like, that's just, I mean, they're just doing that to kind of throw people off. Um, but the medical part of it is huge. For sure. I mean, the testing part of it, yeah. I First of all, they shouldn't, they probably should not have any of, I, I get why they, the, the testing part of it, I think, is important because it helps them, whatever. Because there are things that, like, say, like, guys who don't run this, like, like can't play in the league. Or there's only, like, 10% of guys do this. Like, so, yeah, that part is important. Do they need to do it at the combine? Probably not. They could probably do it at a pro day or whatever. Uh, but now it's too late. 
it's like it, it's an it's a spectacle, right? It is um, a television show. So that's part of it. And the other part is that. So what's weird is because they have these they have this and they have the pro days. Yeah. They still got to do workouts. They still got to do private. They workout. still got to do the things. So it's like imagine if you could do that in recruiting where you could say Notre Dame has a kid that they're like, OK, so um, we got the clips of the of you at the, the Nike camp and then you came to camp at uh you know you came to irish invasion or you came to another like position camp here and then it's like you know what can you come back here and we're just gonna work you out and we're yeah. just gonna do all this kind of stuff like <laughs> to get I an mean, offer. that would to to get an <laughs> offer or just do um whatever or just to be like this is what we want to just like that is the process of it and it, it's intensive right like it's 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 crazy but that's kind of what they do. And there's obviously there's some guys who like tear, like I think, um, Ojabo, Ojabo, right. To Torres Achilles. Achilles. Yeah. Um, Andrew, uh, how do you say his last name from USC? Andrew. Burris, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He tore his ACL. Um, and then just put up 38 reps on the bench. So yeah. that's kind of crazy. Yeah. That so was I, nice. It's just like, and then, okay. The main takeaway last year, Kyle Hamilton runs the 40, four, five, nine, right. Uh, uh, he can't cover the slot. Can't take him. He can't cover the slot. Where do you play all year? for the Ravens in the slot. He played the slot high, highest rated safety, like highest rated rookie safety, like highest rated safety in the last decade or something. It's just the main takeaway from his experience was completely wrong. It was completely wrong. I, I drew. And, and I know you had some comments about, or some thoughts about like Notre Dame players in the combine and like players have dropped. Like we we've been talking about it, how, you know, mayor is the, you know, testing uh, athletic testing didn't go good. He's there are people talking about dropping him. Kyle Hamilton dropped. Um, Jeremiah Wusukormoa dropped completely out of the first round. Like, why do you think that is? What, what, what do you think there is to that? Well, and I don't know if it's necessarily Notre Dame specific. Like, I think you look at. Well, we cover uh, Notre Dame. I mean, I'm well, sure it yeah, happens yeah, at yeah. other schools. Yeah, I guess, I guess for, you know, I kind of also throw Liam Eikenberg in there. You know, yeah. I think he was considered maybe a borderline first round pick. And then the combine, um, you know, Short he came round. in and he had. 32 and 38 arms and people say you need 34 inch arms unless you're like Peter Skronsky. We'll see how that plays right. out. But, uh, right. you know, that kind of, well, now he's a guard and now he's not worth a, a first round pick. So I, and then Owusu Kormoa had, um, the heart condition that like kind of came out of the combine. So that is the big reason why he, he dropped. Um, and then, you know, in the last two years we had mayor and, uh, uh, Hamilton, not, Test kind of what we expected, but not test amazing. And so they their stock kind of dropped a little bit. So yeah, the last three years, the the combine hasn't necessarily been kind to at least the the perception of Notre Dame players. Yeah. And then and, and so then you drop. And then what's the narrative? Notre Dame can't develop players. Like they did develop players. They just they didn't test a certain kind of way. And so now it's like, we, we, you know, you're not a first round pick with Jeremiah or So Notre Dame can't say, Oh, we're a first round pick. You know, if Michael Mayer drops out of the first round, same thing, like a Cole Komet, same thing, right? Like not a first round pick. So it just, it, I, I don't, I, it just, I don't like the, the combine 
from the standpoint of like, it seems to me that there is so much information that these teams have now with like GPS and stuff. They know how fast these guys are. Yeah. They know how fast they can mm-hmm. run. They talk to people all the time. All the, they spend all year talking to people about them. You don't need this. You don't need this extra thing for someone to go hurt themselves and, and for them to pick apart your game. You know, it's like Kayvon Thibodeau last year. Like, oh, yeah, I ran the 40, and then I didn't do the on-field stuff. And what did everyone say? Oh, he doesn't want to compete. Compete? We're not playing football. He doesn't want to run the hoop. He doesn't want to do the hoop drill, so he doesn't want to compete. And he goes out for there for the Giants, has a really good year. I understand what's the point of this stuff, other than to – other than to uh, all hang out in one spot and they can all get a shrimp cocktail. Did you get the shrimp cocktail, Drew? I, want, I, uh, I didn't. That. It's it's pretty hard to get into to St. Elmo's at this this time That's of ridiculous. year, so I didn't uh, didn't. I've been to St. Elmo's once, but it was it was a long time ago. But, did you get uh, the shrimp cocktail? Uh, I think I did. I mean, uh, I guess if you like horseradish, I, I think all these guys you, they all talk yeah. about the the shrimp cocktail. That's like the the, the whole thing with the combine and everything. It's just a um, cocktail. But yeah, I, I, I going back to what you're talking about. I do think the combine has kind of hurt the the narrative, like of Notre Dame players. Like they have really good football players that may not be, um, you know, premier athletes. Like, I mean, you even look at Notre Dame's had three Buckus award winners in the last decade, and all of them were second round picks for, you know, various different reasons. And even, you yeah. know, Jalen Smith definitely would have tested well, but um I do think there's that narrative that the best Notre Dame football players aren't necessarily the best athletes. And, and um, I'm sure that has an impact and, and I don't um, know that that should really matter, but it, it does seem to, to be what the, the combine really shows. And I think it hurts that a guy like Chase Claypool didn't kind of continue his good rookie success. Cause he is a guy who the combine really helps, you know, he came out, ran that four, four at 238 yeah. pounds and, and then had a huge, you know, like 11 touchdowns as a rookie or whatever. And, and then it's kind of fallen off. But I, I think seeing those guys at the NFL really excel athletically would would be a benefit to the perception of Notre Dame. Well, so, okay. So Nathan Erbach puts up um, best combines in Notre Dame history. Chase Claypool, Miles Boykin, EQ, Kevin Austin, something to think about. Um, I don't know about the Notre Dame history part. I, just because I haven't thought about it. Um, but like, so, okay. Aside from Claypool, right. Boykin, EQ, Kevin Austin, all have in common, all left eligibility on the table. Every single one of them. Right. And so it's just like one of those things where they, they, uh, according to Raz. Okay. So he's, so according to the relative athletic score, those are the best combines and for Notre Dame players. So I think the lesson here is like, you have guys who know they're going to test well. Right. Miles Boykin, Equinemius, Kevin Austin. They know they're going to test well. So it's like, I'm going to go test well. And that's going to propel me into the draft. And it didn't. And Claypool, I mean, it didn't. No. Okay. Here's the, here's the thing. Then it comes back to all this. Why did, why did Claypool and Boykin go on, on day two? And, and well, why they, had, they had good senior seasons. Yes. They had good tape. They made plays. Like Claypool's 2019 season is as good as any single season for a receiver Banger. just on film in the last decade. And he didn't have eligibility left. So he didn't. And he have didn't it. have eligibility left. But the reason why they can go is so maybe they were like, 
uh, you know, I'm not saying that the, they're, the, the combine didn't help them. The testing didn't help them. for sure. It helped them. But what happens is they go and they're like, maybe you're like, ah, you know what? I didn't love the tape on, on Claypool, you know, and I, I didn't love all this. And then you go back and you, he runs the freaky 40 for, at his size. And then you go back and watch it again. And you're like, God, then you start to see all the good because you're looking, thinking about that testing right. too. Right? right. And then with EQ, you could go back and be like, yeah, he's, I mean, he's got great testing. I was like, he did. He, I mean, he had a bad senior. I think a lot of it was quarterback dependent, but still there were things about his game that you were like, I mean, I could see, you could see the potential, but you can also see why he's going to be a, a picked, but not a high pick. And then with Austin too, like, you know, Tyler Borgman mentioned here too, like why didn't Austin improve his stock because of all this? It's because they could go back and look at the tape and the guys getting put in chains against Purdue, right? Against a non-NFL corner, right? And I'm and I'm not saying that he couldn't didn't have a strong end of the season, but he's got like he had like five good games on tape. Five yeah. out of his whole career, right? So and, and that's because different things, circumstances, right? That didn't allow him to play. But that's why he needed to come back. That's why he well, because like you gotta be good. You actually have to be good. You have to be good at football. You like you have to show tester. And and I'm not saying that Kevin Austin too. He Kevin Austin is the perfect example of a guy that like, you know, he's on a practice roster right now, and may, maybe he will never be something. But if all of a sudden two years from now you're like Kevin Austin is a starting receiver and a good one in the NFL, would not be shocked at all because he's like, athletically the guy is a freak. He's a freak, yeah. right? Like, and uh, and and I think you know one of the things too is. Um, you know, going back to what Drew said too, and you look at especially the last two years for, for Notre Dame, Notre Dame has had a lot of really good college football players, a really good culture guys, guys who are like Kurt Heinisch, Meyer Tagovailoa, Mosa, Drew White, those type of guys that were very good players, very good players in the team for multiple years, right? But we're never going to be like high NFL picks or, I mean, two of them weren't, I mean, no, none of them were, drafted right and Heinish made the team but I mean I think people were kind of surprised that he did just because he didn't have um he's always at the heart and he's always been a, a guy who's a good football player but not a guy who his measurable suggests that he would never play in the NFL right and that's one thing too that you can say that with Brian Kelly um and those guys they did a good job of getting some of these guys good culture guys good program guys but then ultimately, that's when you play Alabama, when you play some of the other teams, those guys don't stand out as much because they can't – you can be good in college, but they're going against guys who, who are going to go on to the next level that are 6'5", 330. And, you know, you're going to have to deal with that rather than beating up a 290-pound guard, right? So um, Notre Dame needs more of the freaky guys. And I think one of the things that they've done – in recruiting the last couple of years, kind of taking it back into that is they've gotten more of those guys. They've, they've landed more of those guys that I think project to be that later on to be like, like I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, when they look at the RAS scores in three or four years, you're going to see more of these guys from this current, the young guys on the team right now. And those guys might have their names pop into there because they can do like, going to have like, 
freaky testing. Like if Jalen Sneed, you know, he's got a long way to go, right? But I mean, anybody who's seen him like do like a box jump will be like, this guy's a freak athlete, right? Like he's he's someone who's going to probably test out the roof. And if he has the tape to back it up, he's going to be at a combine and, and have a day. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to leave it there. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This was a really fun discussion, talking about the combine and everything. Thanks to Drew for coming on. We're going to have to have you on uh, some more to talk about some other things, Drew. So that was really fun. So, yeah, um, yeah, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Hit the like. Hit subscribe button. Hit the notification bell so you know we're going live. And uh, be sure to subscribe on uh, our podcast, too, on Apple or Spotify. Or we're on Google now. I think we're on Amazon as well. So we're all over the place. So check us out. Um, give us a rating, give us a review and all those other things. Um, we'll be back on Thursday talking about, um, Notre Dame. Uh, maybe they'll have a special teams coach at that point. Joe Rudolph was officially announced as Notre Dame offensive line coach. You want to check us out there. Uh, once again, if you don't know where to find us on the podcast, I put links in the description of this show below. So thank you very much, everyone tuning in and we will talk to you on Thursday. <laughs>